Hello and welcome to the Old Man Orange Podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. I'm Ryan Dunnigan, and today we have a very special guest. Sophie, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Sophie, highly and Soph on Twitter. Well, and how we kind of met is, I don't know, we've been talking back and forth on Twitter for, I don't know, a handful of months. And I just always see she's always got all kinds of very cool retro gaming stuff on there. Got a very impressive collection of everything from Thank Zelda, you. the Chrono Trigger, Harvest Moon, and then she really, really, really likes Sailor Moon, which is awesome because that's a show that I had watched ever since it came out in America. I remember when it came out because it was on one of those like odd channels. Um, I almost want to say something like USA. I don't think it was USA, but it was something like that. I think that. it was EPN. No, I know it's not UPN because I didn't have it because I had satellite. That's the only reason I – I mean, it might have been on there too. But it was on something that I had on satellite. And for some reason, it was also on at like an odd time. You had to like wake up at 5 in the morning before school to see it or something. Same with like Sonic the Hedgehog. You guys are making me feel so foreign because I'm in Canada. And I'm like, what channels are you talking about? You know, USA, it was just America. America. <laughs> it's just monster trucks and Earl McGraw and like, a lot of anime for some reason. I always remember that was a channel yeah. that had all the weird anime. It had like Monster Rancher on there, and it oh, had... I love Monster Rancher. <laughs> See, oh. yeah, it had all those like cool, like weird ones. But I remember they were always at like an odd time. Like you had to wake up super early to watch it, mm-hmm. and then it made it easier to watch um, Sailor Moon once they finally put it on Cartoon Network. I think in like '97, it was like the same time Dragon Ball Z was put on Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys have Cartoon Network in Canada? Or? Uh, we do. Well, we have a lot of American channels, and I just fill them in with Canadian commercials. But we have Teletoon here. Ah, and okay. YTV. Hmm. I remember. The, I just remember the Sailor Moon because uh, they have the. Oh, look at Ryan's already. Cut out again. I know his internet's having some trouble today. I don't think he likes us. Yeah, well, he did also get the internet put into, I think, a weird place. And he's in San Francisco, and all the buildings are made out of metal and steel for earthquake protection. So that doesn't help any signals. <laughs> that sounds really hardcore. It's like one wall will do it all. It's hard to even use a cell phone mm-hmm. in San Francisco when you're indoors. Yeah. He's gone. Well, he's gone. So till then, we'll just have to keep talking ourselves. So what's your favorite Harvest Moon? Um, I like the Harvest Moon for Nintendo 64. It was my first one that I ever played. And um, I've never actually completed it the way you're supposed to. My dad always basically calls me a failure at the end. And then sometimes I just keep playing and hoarding cows and stuff like that. But um, no, I've never completed it. Actually, currently I'm trying to win, uh, become the king at the New Year's Festival. Mm -hmm. And... There's a way you can do it. You can just keep resetting the game because it's random every single time if you get picked. So I've reset it probably like 200 times. And I still haven't been picked. Oh, yeah, I know. It's one of those ones. I know that's a game, too. That's probably my favorite Harvest Moon as well. And yeah, I've gotten like two and a half years into it. And or maybe not even that far. But like that's kind of the thing, though. Is you kind of do everything in about a year and a half. And then there's all the little things that you kind of got to get accomplished. But then it almost feels kind of like work by that point. Like, okay, I got to put the man hours in of farming and get everything done my buddy though all these girls yeah you got to get all that got to get married and all this stuff i have another friend and harvest moon's like his favorite thing too and he likes the 64 one and he actually did it where he went to the very end and then the mayor gives you the award or whatever and 
I think that's almost when you hit three or four years. And then you could still go on, but you've pretty much done everything. Yeah, so you can you can technically play forever and ever and ever until, I guess, you die. But, like, in real life, you die. <laughs> but um, yeah. you have to complete it so that your dad gives you, like, a perfect rating and you need all the photos and you need all the house upgrades. But I know we, one of the photos is when you get all of the house upgrades. Yeah, so you get all the little photos and things like that. But, yeah, I've always loved Harvest Moon 64. The other one I like a lot is the PlayStation one, but the only downfall of that game is it has those horrible load times that you kind of forget about. Oh, yes. You know, I've only really started playing PlayStation like a week ago. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really, really tardy to the party. So, but that's okay. I haven't played a Harvest Moon game on it yet. (laughs) Well, if you ever do play the PlayStation one, um, there's a better version for PSP or PSP Vita. It's called Harvest Moon, I think, Boy and Girl or Boy or Girl. And that one's... It's like the remastered version of Harvest Moon. Um, what the heck is the one called on PlayStation? Also, it's a wonderful life. Is it back to nature? Yeah, maybe? back to nature. So it's the remastered ah, version of that one. Cool. Because yeah, on the PlayStation, if like when you go to save, it takes like a minute and a half. I kid you not. Oh man, that's brutal. It's so terrible. It was bad back in like 99, like when the game was kind of like, you know, when you're used to PlayStation. So, yeah, when you kind of play it, I could not imagine doing it nowadays and having to sit through there. Like, used to, I used to do the thing, I didn't save until I was about like, you know, a couple hours into the game, which is probably not always the best idea, but still. Oh, it looks like we got Ryan mm-hmm. back up. I think technology makes us. Hi, Ryan. Uh- Hello again. I'm like five steps away from just growing this beard out, throwing it in a stick and bindle, and just moving it to the mountains away from technology. Like five steps away from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the somehow, somewhere that. Yeah. I think technology makes us impatient, though, because back then it didn't seem like that long, and now we're just like it has to be now, instant. Yeah. Well, it's like I remember the 56K days. It's You, you were just kind of used to a little bit of waiting, you know. You almost even had, you know, it's like, oh, web page is loading. You pull up your Game Boy, and you just wait it out. Yeah, dial up for life. You know, I had that for so long because they didn't have anything. They actually technically still, I have to use, like, AT&T wireless internet out here. And, yeah, other than that, though, I had dial up forever. I mean, I played games on dial up internet. You know, I did all kinds of things. I uploaded videos to YouTube on dial-up, well, at least, you know, 10 years ago. (laughs) That would take five years to do, like, two minutes of the video. I know. Well, that was back in the day when you couldn't upload anything more than 100 megabytes anyways. So, it was okay. You just did a file at, like, 20 megabytes, and you let it sit there for an hour, and hopefully it would get, you know, finished. Yes. Yeah, we didn't get fast internet here either to, like last year because i live in the middle of nowhere too kind of in the woods yeah that's exactly where i live i'm out in the middle of nature in california that's not really nerdy <laughs> it, it, it can be it, it can be it's like it's like living like link that's how i look at it that could be i would just think more of us just live in basements or something yeah no it's definitely not like that i mean i got outdoors and trees and nature and you know all kinds of things like that almost like when you go to the city and you tell people like yeah you know you can just cut wood last weekend you know with the chainsaw and they think it's all impressive (laughs) (laughs) just like oh okay that just seems normal but yeah you know there's somebody in the city like wow a chainsaw you have one of those Um, yeah if, if you need 
too, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, yeah, we were always like, yeah, it's like, in a sense, I remember being a kid, and we would set, my buddy would do this, he'd set up a tent outside during the summertime when it was kind of warm, and he would literally, like, drag carpet and put it in there, and he'd put mattresses in there, and he would put an extension power cable in there, and we'd put the TV with the VCR, and put, like, the N64 and the PlayStation in there, and be sitting outside <laughs> playing video games. Wow, that's so cute. <laughs> and I was just like the outdoor house. Watching Disney Aww. movies. <laughs> That's the life. It was. It, it was pretty sweet. Like, I think about that. I'm like, dude, I got to do that again someday. Because that outdoor tent that was set up all nicely was pretty cool. That does sound nice. Yeah, it was literally, it wasn't just like camping. It was more like it had all the amenities of like your own personal room just in a tent environment to be cool during the summer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember my sister and I, when we were little, we used to play... We played Zelda outside, like we would pretend to be Zelda and Link, or we both were Link. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But we would take, like, when you mow the lawn and you take all the grass clippings and we'd form them into, like, little rooms and stuff, and one would be her room and one would be my room. Oh, <laughs> well, that reminds me of, like, when it's, like, wintertime and making, like, snow forts and everything. Yeah. Yeah, we have, like, six months of snow here. Yay, Canada! Yeah, that's more snow than we got. We got, like, four months of snow here in this part of California. I was going to say, does this snow in California? See, most people don't think so that. Cold. Like, everybody, when I tell people, like, oh, California, the first thing, the last thing, they go, oh, my gosh, the traffic. I'm like, well, you're not in the Yosemite area. There's not as much traffic. And then they go next. It's like, oh, but isn't it all, like, beaches and sunshine? I'm like, well, it's, like, three hours away. It's more like mountains and snow. And it's it actually, <laughs> it's much more like the south than it is anywhere else. I, I lived in Tennessee for a bit. And I was like, wow, you know what? Tennessee isn't that much different than where I came from, strangely enough. There you go. <laughs> it was felt like, oh, I guess it's, it's easy to adjust to here. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw that, you know, for a last while you were playing Chrono Trigger. It said that on your description, and then it disappeared. So did you complete Chrono Trigger? No, I did not. Um, so my friend suggested that I play Sleeping Dogs, which is how I started playing PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And then I got distracted, and now I'm completely sucked in by it. Actually, I go to visit my granny. She's staying in like a health facility right now, and I tell her all about like my drug bust and people I kill and cop cars that I steal and stuff. And she's like, "That's nice. That's great, Sophie. I'm glad you got all that going on. It's good to have a hobby now <laughs> and then." <laughs> <laughs> but no, I would like to get back to Chrono Trigger. Um, I just feel like I need like hours and hours and hours of the time to play that game, and I can never find. Like more than two hour, like a two hour block to dedicate to playing it. Mm. So I do want to get back to it, but I do have vacation soon, so hopefully I can get back into it. It's funny on the podcast. Me and Ryan talk about that all the time. It's, it's like nowadays. It's like I talk a lot about retro gaming, and I like to look at it, but it's like I don't always get into like playing as much things as I want. Especially RPGs. RPGs are always the one. There's so many games I want to play, but it's like. I think about the time it takes to go into it, and then I'm like, well, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Some of my favorite things is I love those, like, indie games that are pretty much like a brand new Sega Genesis slash Super Nintendo game, because they only take about five hours, give or take the beat, and I'm like, that's that's a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, like, not everybody has, like, 200 hours to invest. I mean, maybe if I wasn't an adult with a full-time job and responsibilities, I'd be all over it. (laughs) But it's okay. 
Yeah, I kind of agree there, too. It's like one of those ones. If, if I'm lucky, maybe I can get about an hour and a night. That's kind of how it is. Because other than that, I'm always working on some type of project, mostly all day long. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Like, I work in the evening, so I get home around 1030 at night. And um, then I, by the time you, like, shower and everything, then it's, like, 11. And I'm like, okay, so what do I want to do? Do I want to, like, stay up for four hours playing RPG? Or do I want to spend half an hour killing people? Yeah. Oh, I think I'll kill people. Yeah, make it easy, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, Chrono Trigger, at least the upside to that game is it's not as long as other RPGs. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I didn't actually like RPGs until I was a little bit older. Like, when I was a kid, I wasn't really into them. To mm-hmm. me, it was like, oh, there's so much reading. Uh, <laughs> but, and I like to do the attacks myself instead of picking a choice and then it, the computer doing it for you. But, um, no, I think the first RPG I played was uh, Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I played Sailor Moon. Well, Sailor Moon, another story, but a lot of people call it Sailor Moon RPG. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. That game, I remember for the longest time, I didn't play that one because I thought it was, I literally thought it was always in Japanese. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to sit down and play a Japanese RPG the entire way through because I've done that before as a kid. And it's so like, I don't even know how I did that. You know, you just kind of figure out what each command means and you go from there. Like, like what's I, going on? Like I played through the entire Tenshi Muyo one on Super Nintendo in Japanese. I, I was pretty impressed with myself. Wow. <laughs> just have a word. But then I realized that the Sailor Moon RPG came out um, in Europe. So there is the, the British version of it. It did? Yeah. That, that's how I know that there's like, yeah, is, I don't think it came out in North America. No, I always thought that it was like a fan translation. Because I have like a repro card of it, mm-hmm. and then I played it on an emulator in like junior high. But that's about it. Yeah, and then it's like when I found out, like I got the PAL version, and it's like, oh, it's all in English. Which was kind of like, oh, that's cool. That is really cool. I need to look this up. I just got another Sailor Moon game, actually, for Game Boy, for the original Game Boy, mm-hmm. but I haven't played it yet. You know what's a really cool Sailor Moon game? Is I think it's literally... Which, which one for mm-hmm. Game Boy? It's just the original one, I think. I think it's just the very first Game Boy. It's just called Sailor Moon. There's a Sorry, really, what were you saying? There's a really cool Sailor Moon one I got for um, 3DO, I want to say. Yeah, 3DO? 3DO? Yeah. And it's a fighting game, Sailor Moon game, which is pretty sweet. So it's kind of like about Street Fighter Alpha looking, I guess you could say. Okay. I think it also came out on Sega Saturn as well, too. They have quite a few, like, beat-em-up games. I find most of the Sailor Moon games are, like, fighting games and puzzle games. I have a couple puzzle games, and I have three or four fighting games. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty fun. Yeah, the one that's always special to me that I always think about is there's the beat-em-up game for Super Nintendo. And that's another one where Mm -hmm. I have, like, I have the PAL version of it, so it's it's actually the French version. Oh, cool. I can read that. Yeah, it's all those ones. I mean, like, everything else, like, all the talking's in Japanese, but, you know, just the select options and everything's all in French. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But that game was always, me and my buddy, we played the living daylights out of that game. I think right when we discovered ROMs, like, in, like, the late 90s, so, like, 97, 98, that was the first thing is you start going through and finding all the Japanese games and everything you couldn't just go buy in the store. And I remember, like, oh, my gosh, there's a Sailor Moon game? It's like, download that. It's like, oh, dude, it's a beat-em-up game? We can play it co-op? This is awesome. (laughs) <laughs> that'd be cool i'd love to like have an arcade cabinet with some sailor moon fighting games in it that'd be sweet i always thought it'd be fun to have they make those arcade cabinets i see them on ebay where 
they got like a thousand plus, you know, they're, they're all ROMs built into it, but you can get it as a standing arcade or you can get the one where you just, it's a little bit cheaper and you just set it on a table and it's got two joysticks yeah. and six buttons and everything like that. And I've played one of those before. They had one at an arcade museum over kind of in San Francisco area. And it was, it was like, dude, this thing's so cool. There's so many games to flip through and everything like that. I'm like, I tell the guy at the comic book store, I'm like, dude, if you ever want to get, the thing you should do is get one of these things and then just, you know, have people put quarters in it. I feel like in an entire year, it's going to more than pay for itself. It's only like a thousand bucks. And then next thing you know, you'll just yeah. get profit off of it. That's right. Hopefully it doesn't break. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't break. And hopefully, you know, the other thing too, is like the fun thing to do would be like, you can do like street fighter tournaments and all kinds of games on there. And then you can charge a little bit more and hopefully get that thing, you know, make some extra cash. Yes, there's actually an arcade that opened. So I live in Ottawa, Ontario, mm-hmm. the capital of Canada. Hey, hey. Capital of Toronto, everybody. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, so there's an arcade that opened here a few years ago called the House of Targ. And during the day, they have they have one side that's all pinball machines, and then the other side is all arcades. And then they have a couple tabletop arcade games. Mm-hmm. And um, they also they serve pierogies. That's their thing. And come 9 o'clock at night, they have metal shows. Well, that's cool. So then you have to pay cover to stay if you want to watch the metal show. But when you order your pierogies, they take your name, and then you go play games or whatever, and they'll call your name. But one of the bartenders, when you're uh, playing your game, he'll call your name like a metal boy. So he's like, Sophie, your pierogies are ready. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's nice. That's like everything I like yeah, in one. Yeah, I spent a lot of money there. Mm-hmm. Good. See, that's sweet. That's the thing that's kind of missing in a lot of areas. Like where I'm at, like the arcades all dried up at least about 10 years ago. There's only about two pizza parlors left that have arcades. But there used to be a really cool one that was like an arcade and batting cages and all kinds of stuff. And then there was also a laser tag one at one point that only lasted about all of one year, if that. But it was pretty neat while it was there. Yeah, we have more like the family mid way things here we have two of them one is actually called the midway and the other one is Funhaven or something and then we have house of targ and then we have places where they have like console gaming bars but i can't really get around like drinking beer and having a controller that everybody else played on i'd just be worried that you spill on it or something yeah and, and this sounds kind of weird i feel like sometimes beer and stuff like that doesn't really go with video games it's like you need to be extremely focused when i think about a game and the idea of like yeah. not being a hundred percent into it just seems kind of distracting like it loses it yeah i mean like i think i'd be freaking out if i was drunk playing mario kart like just drinking and driving yeah it's like that's not that's not gonna work out you're not gonna win that way i'll, I'll say that nobody wins when they drink and play games <laughs> <laughs> just like those old sayings used to say in the arcades like winners don't use drugs <laughs> because if you're using drugs you're probably not going to beat the game let's just say that <laughs> if you do you deserve like an extra big trophy yeah exactly and you know ronald reagan will come out of the grave and present it to you <laughs> i think that's where those all like stem from at least like it's like that kind of like nancy and ronald reagan like war on drugs created that video game ad because <laughs> it always had, I don't, I don't know if they had them up there, but at least in the U.S., they always had like FBI warning on it, like when certain games would start up in the late '80s and early '90s. You know, on movies when you buy them here, even though like they're bought in Canada, 
they'll have like FBI warning, piracy is a crime or whatever. I'm like, are they going to come to my house? <laughs> it's funny because I remember like I had a friend from Hong Kong and she was like, you know what? When you go, when you're walking through Hong Kong, you just go and you can buy any of these American movies for like a dollar or two. They're just on this rack, like a spinner rack and they're on little plastic bags. And it's like, you know, nobody cares about copyright there. And then I started to think about it. I'm like, well, isn't that the exact same thing in the U.S. and North America? Like when it comes down to martial arts movies and Chinese movies, you always see them like at the dollar rack where nobody seems to care about copyright either. <laughs> I think it's the second it's that's true. out of the country, nobody seems to care anymore. You know, they fight for their own, but they don't seem to care about the other. So it feels like it's a win-win struggle. Yeah. Yeah, you can buy movies and stuff at the dollar store now. They're just like the disc and like a package. Oh, that sounds like those Chinese-style ones. Yeah, but it's all American. They're like, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or whatever. I saw that one. It was a dollar fifty. Oh, you know what? I, I think I bought one of those once. They had, it was um, it was Titan AE was in that. I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll take Titan AE now. <laughs> oh, I found She-Ra, the Princess of Power at the dollar store. That was pretty cool. Oh, that's pretty. That, there's a good find. See, the last times you find kind of neat stuff like that there that you would not normally find. Like at the dollar store I found, I found the entire collection. I don't even know if it's technically worth it, but it's kind of cool to have of Sonic. Um, oh, it's the Canadian Sonic show. Sonic. Sonic Underground? Yeah, Sonic Underground. With all the singing? Yeah, with all like the kind of like where Sonic's like in a metal. Which I literally, like when you watch that show, I really think that somebody had this idea for a completely different thing. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we're going to have this. He's going to be in a band and he's going to have these brothers or, you know, brother and sister and all this stuff. And then it's like, you know what? That's not going to sell, but you throw Sonic the Hedgehog on top of that. Then you got something we can market. Cause there is really not a whole lot of Sonic in that show. It's clearly something else. And then at the last second, they're like, no, no, make it Sonic. Yeah. It's there's, it's just cause Sonic's in it. I feel like Sonic just got marketed way too much into stuff that he shouldn't have been in, but that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. We, we always like Sonic. That's okay. We got Sonic Mania coming out tomorrow. Hopefully that will fix all problems. Mine hasn't shipped yet. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah, I hope mine ships. I didn't get I didn't get a message from Amazon, but sometimes I get it day one. Sometimes I get it like three days later. I don't know. It's just, that's what you get for living in the mountains. Yeah, for us too. I think it's just because I'm Canadian. We get everything really late. Probably it's uh, I don't know I'm in that same boat so when people get it, it's like day one like what do you mean you got that day one or I like sometimes it's like you know people in England seem to get things like instantaneously it's like well that's because your country's so small <laughs> it's like they don't they don't get a whole <laughs> lot of true. distance to go you know but I know I, I bought the big fat special edition version that came with Song the Hedgehog on the Genesis and a bunch of other mm-hmm. stuff that I probably didn't need but it looks so cool anyways. Yeah, I ordered the same one, and I really don't need it, and I don't have room for it, but I got it anyway. See, I wanted it. Then when they came out with the Switch one, I was kind of bummed. I'm like, oh, I wish I got that for Switch instead, because I got mine for PS4. I got mine for PC, because I didn't have a PS4 yet. And then I was like, well, it's not coming out on Switch, and I don't have an Xbox, so I ordered it for PC. And then all of a sudden, the Switch one came. I'm like, well, I'm not going to give up my pre-order. I did the same thing, too. I'm like, yeah. And then also, for some weird reason, the, the Switch one was an extra $10. I'm like, well, okay, I don't need that that badly. <laughs> and then I heard, too, it's like you don't get, like, I think you don't get the actual cartridge for the Switch. It was, like, just a code for the game. So I'm like, oh, well, oh. well that's kind of silly then. I don't know. That's, that's weird. Doesn't the cartridge just open and there's a gold ring in it? Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. A gold ring. Put this code in. <laughs> <laughs> 
Which I, I don't oh, know. That to me is like don't don't even make a physical version if you're not going to put like an actual cartridge or disc in there. That like that defeats the purpose a hundred percent. I don't know. I saw that with the That's Batman, true. the Telltale game. That statue, Which one? Which one did you say? Mm-hmm. The the statue for the Sonic Mania. That one looks pretty rad. Oh yeah, this I think that statue. It's like it doesn't really make a difference which version you get that for. So I'm like, that is pretty darn cool, and I think it makes Sonic sounds and all kinds of stuff. Which hey, you can't beat that now. <laughs> now, are you a big Metroid fan at all? No, actually. I have only played one Metroid game in my life, and I sucked at it, and I pretty much just rage quit, and I never played another one. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. And which one was that? Super Nintendo, Super Metroid. Oh, okay. Well, that's one of the best ones. But I could see how that game suddenly just kind of drops you in there and doesn't tell you anything of what's going on. You just go, okay, I guess I'll go left, or maybe I'll go right. See what happens. Metroid and Mega Man, another one like that. Like, I just, I couldn't get into Mega Man. I just thought it was too hard, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to challenge. I don't want fun. So I didn't play it either. I'll say this. Mega Man became much more fun once emulators were invented because there is something to be said about being able to save instead of having to put those one long passwords in and then two, like once you start getting to the end and you have to battle every single boss over again that you thought you already defeated in a row, it's nice to be able to beat one, save, and do it again so you don't have to kind of like waste your time redoing it over and over. Yeah. Yay, emulators. (laughs) Well, other than what's some of your other favorite games? Um, let me think about that. Well, a Link to the Past is my favorite, favorite, favorite game. Oh, that's my favorite Zelda too. Yeah, definitely Link to the Past. It's also the first game I ever, ever finished, and I think I was like seven or something. And then, um, obviously, like Super Mario World. I like I say Mario, not Mario. I know East Coast. (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird because people in California go look. How does he say in a Mario 64? He says Mario. They get so defensive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll just pull the death card. I can't hear myself. (laughs) I think it all stems from Um, Washington because that's where Nintendo of America is. And that's where the guy mm -hmm. that was, um, who Mario was sort of named after, I think worked at was that section. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was an Italian guy that everybody liked and his name was Mario. And that's where they kind of came around. I want to say, was it Nintendo of America? Because for the longest time, I thought that was in Japan, which as a kid, I thought was kind of odd. I'm like, there's just a random Italian guy, like, working there. (laughs) Okay, sure, I'll take that in. Could be. Was he fixing the plumbing? (laughs) The only, do you know the only time that he does plumbing is in um, Super Mario 3D World, the one with the cats? He actually, like, hits the pipe with his wrench. That's the first time I've ever seen him do any plumbing. Yeah, other than going through a pipe. Yeah, but they don't actually go through pipes. (laughs) It's like the plumber comes to your house. Hold on, I gotta get down. (laughs) Just goes through to fix it. And then he's in like he's in the underground world as he's like inside fixing the pipes. Do 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 like running around. Hear music like under your toilet. (laughs) Yeah, just and you just hear him like running. (laughs) Do you do but Oh man. Um oh definitely Donkey Kong Country 2. That's my favorite Donkey Kong. Out of all of them, the music is amazing. Uh-huh. Oh, I love that one so much. That, that's this is the only kind of complaint that I have about that SNES Mini coming out. 
Every game they chose for it, I'm like, okay, that's all really good games. Actually, I'll say this. The Kirby's Dream Course one, I'm like, really? Kirby's Dream Course? Yeah. I thought in the 90s when that game came out, I was like, really? Golf? I mean, it's, it's not that it's not fun, but if you're only going to choose like 20 games, why is that one chose? And then I go, I wish the Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3 were on there because I like those ones even more than the first one. Yeah, I like number two the best. Um, and it's funny, my the only Kirby game that I really, really, really love is Kirby's Avalanche. Oh yeah, the what? puzzle game. I don't know. Well, that's well. Um, is is that the one that's based off of Puyo Puyo? Yeah, and then like whenever they have, whenever you go fight a new boss before it starts, they like say their names. They'll be like Wispy Woods or La 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 and La La La. <laughs> Just silly. <laughs> no, that's like I I love uh, that puzzle game. Yeah, all about the puzzle games. And Banjo Kazooie is another one of my favorite ones for sure. Oh yeah, Banjo Kazooie was a fun one. It's funny when, it, when I think of a lot mm-hmm. of these games. Like the way that I got them is when I was younger. I had I had one of the rich friend kids, and he had an N sixty four, so he was showing me all kinds of games like Harvest Moon and Zelda. And then as the poor kid, I just went out and bought like used copies of, okay, well, I can get Zelda for Super Nintendo and I can get Harvest Moon for Super Nintendo. And this is when games for, you know, you could pick them up for like 20 bucks used, which at the time felt like, oh, that took all month to save up for. Yeah, my allowance was like $2 a week. Uh-huh. <laughs> so That's what I remember. And you just like build up and I would just get used games. And I just think about it. I'm like, I was telling somebody else this. Because, you know, you, I saw a copy of Chrono Trigger in the box, and it was 400 bucks at this retro game store over in Tahoe That's area. Crazy. And I, I was like, dude, I remember, like, only, like, 15-plus years ago, like, the most expensive Super Nintendo game you would see would be, like, 35 bucks, And you'd be like, oh, my gosh, dude, that game's expensive. It's $35. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, man. And it would be something like Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy three, or, you know, maybe Mario RPG. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. one of the more expensive ones is if you can find a Dracula X. That might be like 50 bucks. And I was like, oh, it's breaking the bank there. That's like a brand new 64 <laughs> game almost. <laughs> yeah, they're a lot of money. That, like, um, especially the Super Nintendo games now, like, they're, they're way too overpriced. So that's kind of why I started buying, like, Super Famicom games. Mm-hmm. And because um, they're cheap. Like, I got Harvest Moon for Super Nintendo, like, in a beautiful box comes with the manual and everything and it cost me like 25 bucks or something see i can't figure that so, out but harvest moon for 64 in the u.s is like 400 dollars. yeah it's ridiculous and i just can't figure out like why are the famicom ones cheaper it's like you think there'd be way more of the you know the north american games just because that's like such a bigger region you know and it's just like japan you think the Jap- japanese ones would be really expensive because they're only you know how many copies are sold there but obviously there's more there must have been more super famicon games made than super nintendo games i just think there's some big nerd somewhere sitting on a pile of earthbound and harvest moons and that's why they seem so rare and that's why they cost so much money yeah somebody some storage unit that didn't sell them all back in the day had a big hold on them and yeah it blows my mind at how expensive some of these games are because i thought you know during about like the recession of like 2008 like, so many of those Super Nintendo games, they drop so far for a bit. I mean, you could pick up these games that are now, yeah. like, 400 bucks for, like, 35 maybe 50 or so dollars. And then they just mm-hmm. started skyrocketing more and more. And it's like, well, that's the sign of a good economy coming back. Because <laughs> when once video games go up in price, especially collectible ones. Mm-hmm. They're just too expensive right now. Like, I haven't really been buying anything lately because it's just 
a lot. I feel like I go in the poorhouse when I want to buy like a box Game Boy game. Yeah, I like. I just finished up my Castlevania collection that I've been working on for 20 years. About Sweet. about one year ago, I bought the last one I needed, which was Castlevania Legends, and it cost. I got one for 75 bucks. <laughs> oh man! I, did, I didn't get the box because that would be like 150 dollars, but it's still a lot. Like I just finished collecting all of the Harvest Moon games in the boxes for the Game Boy, like so Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really, really lucky with the last two because I think I got the last two for like 50. One was like 50 bucks and the other one was like 60. But the game store near my house was selling them for over 100. Yeah. It's some of those ones can be super expensive. Like as the Castlevania ones, now I'm kind of collecting all my missing boxes and manuals that I need for them. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like I bought a Castlevania 3 copy that had the booklet, had the extra little Nintendo stuff, had the cartridge, had the box. I think it was like 60 bucks I spent for that at a store and just some other ones too. But I, I need my manual for, I don't have it for the Genesis one, but that Genesis one's like 50 bucks for the manual. That's crazy for paper. Yeah. It's just so weird to think about. So, and then after that, I want to start collecting some of the PAL and Japanese versions too. At least the Japanese ones won't like make you have to take out a mortgage. Yeah, if it's like Castlevania Symphony of the Night on Sega Saturn, it's like 200 bucks or whatever. Wow, that's expensive. And that game was always expensive. That game was expensive in 2000 when I was originally looking for it. Mm-hmm. Like those Speaking si- of Castlevania, mm-hmm. wh- what did you think of the 64 one, the first one? I love that game. Some people don't like it, but when that game came out, like I remember they complained about it like in Game Pro and things like that. They're like, oh, well, I mean, it's good, but it's like a 7 out of 10 or whatever. You know, they probably had different rating then. It's 3.5 out of 5. You know, it had you know it had its camera wonky issues and things like that. But I was like, dude, this game is everything I'd want in a 3D Castlevania at the time. It's super fun. It plays well. It's scary. Like uh, that game is it has so cool. really good music. Oh, it has really awesome music. I was playing it recently. Um, again, and I kind of forgot like some of the hard things in it. Like there's a level. I think it's like level three or four. You start off and you just start running, and all of a sudden the floor just falls out. No warning. And if you if you jump if you jump too late, then you overshoot it and you go flying into the abyss. And the worst part is, is there's no save point at the beginning of that, and there's a boss battle beforehand or two boss battles beforehand in a row. Not that they're hard, but you just gotta replay them over and over, just trying to get that jump, and then that save still a ways away. Mm-hmm. I remember um, for me that was like the first kind of scary or dark game that I played. I remember my mom. A little bit before that, she rented Doom for the Super Nintendo for my brother, mm-hmm. and she was really mad that it was really, really violent, and um, she didn't rent it again. So then we went back to renting, like, Yoshi Story and games like that. Uh-huh. And then um, she rented Castlevania, and um, I remember seeing, like, the skeletons on the pegs and stuff, and then, like, the dead people coming out of, like, the murky water, and, and I'm like, whoa, this is dark, but I really liked it. It just sounds funny. When my buddy originally got Castlevania, and this is how I got introduced to it back in the day, um, he got Castlevania Bloodlines for the or Sega Genesis. And that game, I remember we would like not even play it at night. That's how scary it was. Like the music, I remember the music on the password screen used to scare me too much. I was like, oh, I don't know. And it was just dark <laughs> and it was violent. Because, you know, at the time period, like there wasn't too many other like horror games. Like something else I always thought that used to scare us a bunch was Zombies Ate My Neighbors. 
which mm-hmm. is one of my all-time favorite games. But, you know, you get the level four with, like, the Chainsaw Jason guys, and it was like, oh, my God, this is so much. <laughs> <laughs> All pre-Resident Evil and Silent Hill era. These are the scary games. Yeah, that's right. That's weird. That, so, the ham- remember the song, The Hamster Dance? Mm-hmm. It came out around the same time as Castlevania 64. And being a little kid, when that little kid, I was a pretty small kid when Castlevania came out. So whenever I hear the hamster dance, it makes me think of Castlevania. It's really weird. A really, really weird combination. Well, the weird thing about the hamster dance is that's the song that's in, um, originally, it's the one from Robin Hood, the Disney movie. Yeah, the opening song. That's the one. Yeah. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, it's the Robin Hood song, because I love that movie. Mm-hmm. For sure. So what do you think are some of your prize collections that you have in your retro game collection? Um, well, I have a Game Boy Micro Famicom edition. I feel like that's on everybody's like wanted list though. Everybody's it's like everybody just needs to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went I got it I bought it from someone in some like really ghetto area in Ottawa. I feel like I missed my life for it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you had to go to the dangerous part of town. I my oh, buddy it was scary. He bought that. He pre-ordered that one when it was coming out. So he got it like at regular retail price, which is probably like 80 bucks or something like that, you know, in the box and everything. And I remember that being like, oh, my gosh, look at that. It's a Famicom, like micro. How cool is that? Yeah, it's really cool. But if you play it for a while, like it cramps up your hands like crazy. It's so small. I guess it's a micro. Yeah. And uh, what else? I have a Harvest Moon art book, actually. That's from the 15th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's, ja- it's all in Japanese, but it's just. Originally, I bought it for like a drawing reference, but now I look at it all the time because it just has all of the games up to, I think, a tale of two towns. It could be wrong. But yeah, it's one of my favorite things. And I bought it on eBay, of course. Mm-hmm. I know the Harvest Moon 64 guides are like really expensive still. I knew it was always expensive. It, it actually, believe it or not, it's the one that's out that's really, really expensive is not the original one. It's They never really made one, but somebody made one, so it looks like Jack's Diary. And, um, yeah, they want, like, an insane amount of money for one copy. But you can just order it, I guess. Huh. Well, because the one that I'm, I think I'm thinking of, and my friend has it, I want to say it's either made by Prima or it's a Nintendo Power one. I'm not too sure. It's one or the other. You need to take a picture of it. I want to see uh, it. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to ask him because I know he has it because he's got Harvest Moon 64. He's still got his original box and booklet and everything. And I think I still have mm-hmm. – I, I might have sold the box. I remember I had the box and booklet at one point, and it was kind of at the time period before the recession, like 2007. I was like, well, maybe I'll sell it because I could get you know 200 bucks for this at the moment. So I'm like, man, I could put that towards – I can't remember what I was doing at that time, but it was going towards something. So I, might I think sold here it. it sells for like 140, like all together. Not the man, not the the guide, but I mean like the game in the box. I think it's about 140 bucks on average. Oh, that's not too bad. That's not too bad then. But I actually got this thing recently, and um, it's called an EverDrive. Have you ever heard of one of those bad boys? I have. I don't have one though, but I have heard of it. Well, I remember they originally had them. You know, they had them for Super Nintendo and Genesis. I'm like, well, that's cool. I mean, I don't really need that as much. That's definitely neat. But I saw they had one for 64. And then I was like, ooh, that's pretty cool. Because the one thing about a 64, you can't really emulate it nearly as well, mainly because the controller is so important for the N64. Other systems, Mm -hmm. you know, 
you could play a Super Nintendo game and you can use the Pro Controller on the Wii. I like that one a lot. It works just fine, if not even better. You know, you can use an mm-hmm. Xbox One controller and it still feels pretty similar. I mean, it's not 100% the same, but, you know. But a 64 one, I mean, you know, you use a GameCube controller, it's already kind of different. And that's the closest thing to it. So I was like, oh, dude, I'll get this EverDrive. You'll have all the games. You can use a controller. You'll be able to play all these other ones. And I bought it for like 140 bucks or something. And yeah, it's, it's so cool. You, you pop it in. You really don't even notice the difference. It doesn't feel like the games are emulated or anything. It's right there on the 64. And it's just so much fun flipping through all these kind of games that, one, I've never had. Or two, it's like, oh, I remember my buddy had this. And just going through the list or these games that you always wanted to play but you never did. And sometimes it's funny mm-hmm. when you play them. They're like, oh, that's not even what I thought that game was at all. Yeah, one of those games for me that um, definitely was Chameleon Twist. Did you ever play that? Mm-hmm. I remember that. So that I remember, yeah, when I was a kid, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And then I played a little bit later as an adult. I'm like, what is this? But it wasn't, what, it wasn't how I remembered it at all. There, the one game that I noticed on there, there was a game called Forsaken 64, or maybe just Forsaken. And it had like a picture of like somebody had a tattoo and it had like a heart and it said Forsaken through it. And it had an arrow oh, going that's through it. I can't remember. But like I looked at that and I always thought that game was a first person shooter. And then when I played it, it was like, oh, you fly around in like little drone pods and shoot each other. It was so weird. It was like, this is not <laughs> what I thought this game was at all. <laughs> that's funny. But um, yeah, for that price, so I'm like, dude, that's the price of like two or three like good Super Nintendo games, and you get them all. It, it's pretty darn cool. Yeah, where do you find those? Like eBay or something? You can buy them from the guy's actual website, but I bought mine from eBay because the guy already had it preloaded with all the games, and it was only like an extra like $15 more. And it's like, well, yeah, I could load it myself, but might as well just have it instantly ready to go. And so he shipped it with the memory card yeah. and it all loaded up and everything. So, yeah, as I said, it was 140 I think it was one of those ones where it was like best offer and it was at 160 And I just said, hey, how about 140 thinking it would go a little bit higher. And he's like, oh, 140 is fine. Perfect. I'll take it. Perfect. That's good. I'm trying to collect all of um, all of like the Sailor Moon Super Famicom games. I think I need... Like three more. One of them is really expensive, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. And then the other one, I needed another story in Japanese too. But I think it's about forty or fifty dollars Canadian, like complete. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wait. Maybe I'll put it on my Christmas list or something. Yeah, 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 that's those are always those ones too. It's like yeah, you, you get those at you know some point. Yeah, I, like nowadays, like I kind of keep my collection simple. Like you know, every once in a while, I'll buy certain things. Like I collect Castlevania ones. I collect Resident Evil games. Um, you know, Resident Evils aren't really worth a whole lot like they used to be, but that's okay. And then um, I also, I'll, I'll get kind of other random stuff. Like I collect Jurassic Park games. So if cool. I see a Jurassic Park game in the box, I'll buy it, the ones I'm missing. Which I was kind of bummed because I found a copy of Lost World on Genesis at a Comic-Con, and the guy didn't have his credit card machine. And it's like, well, who the heck's got 40 bucks on them, to, you know, to buy this game, or $35, whatever it was. Like, I didn't have that much cash with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i find too like a lot of people buy games just to like for fillers like to, so they can say how many games that they own but for me it's like if i'm gonna buy a game i plan on playing it so i'm not gonna buy like slalom for any answer like things like that i'll probably never buy like um let me think of an example uh i'll probably never buy it over you like resident evil i would probably never buy it because i don't think i would play it 
Yeah. But then again, I didn't think I'd play Sleeping Dogs, and now I'm freaking addicted to it. it, it it's funny how that <laughs> works out. Well, that's how I kind of feel, too. And now it's like, this sounds weird, like, if I'm going to play Lost Times of Super Nintendo or Genesis game, I mostly always end up playing them on my Wii because I have it all set up with emulators and everything like that. So it's perfect. It's on my TV. I can use the classic controller, which I I just love that one so much. And a lot of times I'll buy just certain games, like you know, like a Jurassic Park game. If I would have bought that for Genesis, I might have just turned it on just to make sure it works. But I probably, if I was going to seriously sit down and play it, well, I'll probably just play it on my Wii so I can kind of play a handful of levels, save, and come back and have all those small little nice qualities. Yeah, exactly. Have you played any, like, um, kind of homebrew, fan-made games? I have. Like, I've tried some of them before. Like, I remember there was a Chrono Trigger sequel. I played a little bit of that one. Um, there's Crimson a bunch of... Echo, is that one? Yeah, that's the one. And mm-hmm. then um, I tried, like, a handful of the Castlevania ones where they, I guess they weren't... They were more just like modded versions, like where you could play like Castlevania 2 with it just a little bit more sped up and the text makes more sense. Things like that. Yeah, yeah I played, um, there's a Super Mario World one. I was going to stream it, but my capture card just decided it's going on vacation. So <laughs> I need to fix it. But um, yeah, it's, it's really, really hard actually. So it's just remix Super Mario World levels. Mm-hmm. And um so, there, for example, there's, like, a ghost house. You beat the ghost house, and it seems all easy. You jump up all these platforms, and you're like, okay, that was it. But then you go to another ghost house, and it's mirror image, and all of the platforms are invisible. So you have to remember where all of the platforms are on the first level to complete the second level. Oh, my gosh. You, you get to, like, the top, and then you fall off, and you're like, ah! So frustrating! <laughs> <laughs> but that game's really fun. I haven't finished it, but I've gotten all the way to the last world, like, near Bowser. Mm-hmm. And then um, I played a couple of the Zelda ones, but there's a one that's based on A Link to the Past, the Parallel World. That makes me rage. Like, rage. Like, check my hearing aids across the room, rage. Because it's just, you take so much damage, and it's so hard, and there's not really that much direction. And you just, like, I have no idea what to do. I just die all the time. See, sometimes I will say, I, I don't, I like a little bit of a challenge, but nowadays, if a game makes me too angry... I don't know. It's like I don't. I don't want like this. Sh- I don't want a video game to give me stress. <laughs> it's like I'm sitting there going yeah, like, "Why? Too hard. Why is this so difficult?" <laughs> you know, and it's like <laughs> I, I want. Got- I want to be calm. So, I want. I, I want to be fun. <laughs> yeah, I got Castlevania for SNES recently, actually, and um, I find that game freaking hard too. I'm playing through it, and I got through like first five or six levels and then i just start dying all the time <laughs> i played through castlevania 3 oh i might have been almost even three years ago by now in that game once you start getting to like the last level everything does a quarter damage to you even a bat will hit you and it'll do a quarter damage why because the game just it gets constantly harder as it goes on so you get to that point where you just have quarter damage quarter damage quarter damage then they got these platforms that are these like, um, what am I thinking of? Like a clock. Why well, I can't think of what it's called right now. When they shift back and forth. I know what you're talking about, but I, I cannot think of what the word is. But I feel a, a pendulum. They got pendulums swinging back and go. forth. And on regular Nintendo, that was not a time period that was made for you to have something moving in like that type of motion, and then you trying to land and jump across. So that part was mm-hmm. tough. And then when I got the Dracula, I literally I was down to just one quarter health. 
So I just retried him over and over, and I couldn't get hit once. And I almost wish I took a video of it, because I finally did beat it, and I didn't get hit a single time battling Dracula the whole way through, because I had it so timed out of where to stand oh, each time man. and throw axes. And I was like, man, I should have recorded that. I had that so perfectly down. It was so neat. Nobody is ever around when those things happen. And then when people are around, it's like you can't get your life together. Oh, yeah. Like, I had, there was this glitch I had on GoldenEye, and this was probably still before anybody was doing any... This was before YouTube, probably, even. And it was the weirdest glitch. I've never, ever seen it before. And I was in facility, and as I was going down, all of a sudden, this Soviet guy comes at me, and his arms are flapping like this, just moving all crazy-like. And he's going up the <laughs> stairs, and he's doing, like, the wave, like it's something coming out of Silent Hill. And the next thing you know, he starts flapping on the ground, and then flies up and freezes in the screen, like... And it was so scary looking and creepy. It was like, what the heck is going on? And I've never seen that glitch ever again. That's amazing. <laughs> but, oh. Well, so you also draw, too. Well, so what kind of things do you draw? I know I've seen some of them appear on Twitter before, but what's your kind of stuff you love drawing? I like drawing weird stuff, but um, <laughs> I mostly draw with, like, pen, uh, pen and ink. So ink is almost like watercolor, but the colors are much richer, and you have to... I don't know how to explain the difference between watercolor and ink. I just like ink. It's bright. And um, I like drawing well, a lot of video game stuff. One of my friends, it kind of got me back into drawing. He kept asking me to draw him, like different video game crossovers. Mm -hmm. And then I did that, and then I just started drawing more and more and more pictures. And then I applied to go back to art school with these pictures. I actually put them in my portfolio, and I got in. So that was really sweet. Sweet. Oh, I remember when you got that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. oh, that's pretty cool. Now, which place are you going to like, up there? What do you there? like to draw? Pardon? Oh, what do I like to draw? Yeah. Well, what I do is I do a comic book called Pizza Boys. And that to me, because I did animation for about six years. And strangely enough, that's how I kind of got into drawing. I mean, I drawn kind of here and there throughout life. Nothing really too much. You would get, I'd get like these spurts for like two weeks I would draw, and then I might not draw for like another five months, and then so on. And then when animation kind of came, I was doing video work, and I was like, well, this is always getting so hard just to get people together and get actors and actresses and having everybody have the same time and so on. So it's like, let's try animation. So me and Ryan, we were like, okay, we can do animation. It's like Ryan kind of drew, so it's like, hey, here we go. I'll animate it. I'll put it together editing-wise, and then through that process, I just kind of kept drawing and drawing. And from there, I was doing all kinds of just animation stuff and just getting better at drawing that I wanted to take a break earlier this year. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to do a comic book. Let's try that out. So I did my first issue about six months ago or so, and then now I'm just about done with issue three, and I'm selling them on cool. Comixology and Amazon. So it's pretty cool. Make sure you link me after. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to show it to you. It's I also have it as my pin tweet on there too on Twitter. But um, yeah, it's just it's kind of fun. I like I like the comic book process. I feel like one I can get a lot of story done because animation is one of those ones you like in you know three months you might only have a minute's worth of good stuff. You know, maybe a little bit more than that, two minutes or so. But a comic I can kind of do the entire thing in under three months, which you know twenty eight pages is what this next one is. So I feel like that's quite a bit of content. It's like the length of an episode of an animation, and I can just you know I do comedy in it. I do. I make it like a sitcom because I've always been really into sitcoms. So I like, Hey, I can just draw a sitcom about me and my friends and you know, all of my things I like. It's like, I put podcasting in there. I put retro gaming in there. I put the gym. I put, 
you know, just all the different little things I like, and I make each one kind of like a little episode. Cool. That's awesome. So it's kind of fun. And, like, I do all my drawings now digitally. I just got my little old-fashioned Wacom from, like, 2002. Wow. Like, the tablet that you have to look at the screen and draw down on. And it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I draw much better on these than I do the ones you can actually draw on the screen itself. Yeah, I have an old um, tablet. I took a pre-animation class in college when I was 18 in my prime. <laughs> and uh, they gave us the Rockcom tablets. So I still have mine in the basin. Oh, no, mine's the bamboo one. So, yeah, you have to, like, look down and draw and then look up at the computer and make sure, like, you're actually drawing. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. Yeah, this one. Yeah. All my all my drawings are like by hand. Like I draw on watercolor paper. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I want to do like digital art though, because it just seems. I think it's easier, or it's supposed to be easier, and you can do. I find you can do more with it. Well, because sometimes, like, I only mostly draw on paper just to kind of do like I'll do it for like practicing and sketching and getting maybe like when I'm designing a character, I'll do it that way. But it's funny, like, I've done it before where I've been doing, I've been drawing on the computer for so long with, you know, my hand on the Wacom and then my other one on the keyboard. I was literally drawing on paper and I made a mistake and then I went and hit control Z. Oh! It was like, oh, wait, this doesn't work that way. It makes you think of, like, when you go out in public and you see a screen and you automatically touch it. And yeah, like, oh, it's like, oh, this one's not touch screen. Which I remember I when... Really it made me, because when touch screens originally came out, it's like... What do you mean touch the screen? We were told for years never to touch the screen. And now you want me to touch the screen? Are you crazy? That goes against everything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it used to always just make me laugh. Everything is going backwards. So what type of school or where is the school at? Not like I know that many. I just know that where Technical Dave went to, that's about it. Um, It's actually the Ottawa School of Art. So it's... Um, it's right downtown in the market and, uh, it's all like hands-on. Like you're, you're not going to take like art history and I'm, I don't have to take English or anything like that. Oh, so good. the classes are like, yeah, you literally just go to class and do art for three hours each class. Um, and then I think you have an art show at the end of the whole program, which is three years. And I think that they help you out too, like to get known in the community a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty sweet. Like there's there's two galleries in the school, and then the school also owns some offsite galleries. Which actually, when I was younger, um, I think I was 21, I had my first solo art show. I used to paint a lot. I did like uh, night sky paintings, and um, I had an art show. I had like an exhibition that was outside in these like display windows. It was really cool. And I remember when someone bought the first time I sold a painting, it was like. Super exciting. Super, super exciting. And now I have no desire to paint. I just want to draw. Oh, yeah. Well, still, it's like all that stuff kind of comes together. I felt like when I was learning how to draw, I had all these years of video and storytelling and everything like that. So when I was doing animation, what made it click is once I figured out how the lip syncs worked, it was all boom. I was like, oh, okay. This this all starts to make sense here. And it started to come together. So I feel like whatever... You know, all art almost kind of comes together in circles. So you could be working on one thing and then you can shift over to almost another project or side of it. But then a lot of that knowledge you knew from the other one kind of transfers over. And I think that's always kind of the cool thing about art is that it's so intermixable. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like right now I'm working, well, I've taken a break from it. I'm working on a really, really big drawing um, for my friend. And it's another, it's another video game crossover. 
And I've stopped on one part because it's making me so angry. I just can't get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've taken a break from it. But now that I've done some other projects, I feel like I can go back to it pretty soon because I think I've like upped my skills enough that I can finish it. Perfect. Which is nice. Yeah, you got to like that. Hopefully I finish it someday. Yeah, what I want to do soon too is um, I want to start doing some Comic Cons and things like that and Anime Cons and just get a little booth mm-hmm. there. And then do the mix of like one, I can sell my comic, but two is just, you know, just do a couple of crossovers because I think those are always one of the best ones is you do your own little custom crossover. And lots of times it's like, you just, you can literally pull names out of a hat and it's mostly like, who doesn't want that? Like, and I got a couple drawings. Like I got one that I did. It's a legend of Zelda crossover with good, the bad and the ugly. So it's called the good, the bad, the link. So Zelda's the good, Ganon's the bad and links guess technically the ugly, but he's, I call him. Even though I get the way it's drawn, he's drawn like Clint Eastwood, so I guess nobody's the ugly, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like cool things like that. I just feel like, yeah, just do about like if everybody kind of you got together with a couple people, split the cost, and then if you all had five drawings of cool crossovers and you sold those as well, like perfect, you know? That's awesome. So I think that would be I think kinda- that everybody likes it. It's familiar, right? So people will totally be into crossovers. Yeah, and it's one of those ones, like, you can just cross over anything. You just be like, hey, let's do a Cowboy Bebop Metroid crossover. Like, it's like, that works. Like, you know what I mean? It already sounds interesting. Like, I already kind of want to see that. And all it is is you just combine two things together, and then it kind of gets you. The nice thing, too, is the crossover gets you in that parody realm so that you're away from, like, the copyright, like, infringement, too, which is always another fear. Yeah, I think you just have to say, like, um, inspired, like Zelda inspired or something. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's always those weird ones to get around. I don't like when I was trying to sell different T-shirts of things. It's like you always had to explain to them the parody thing, and then they'd be like, "Oh, okay, we get it now." And then you know they would let you go. But yeah, you have to be careful with that. I don't know. I've, I've always gotten like a lot of like hassling from different things. Even on our podcast, we got hassled before from Warner Brothers on multiple occasions. And the weirdest thing too is like. It was on an episode, and all we were doing was we talked about, I think, Jupiter Ascending came out and um, a new DCU one. I think Throne of Atlantis, the Aquaman movie, might have came out around mm-hmm. that time. And I remember, like, we got a copyright infringement. And of course, YouTube's bad about it. Like, they just literally just slap it down. They don't even give you – they don't let you know who did it. They don't let you know why it happened. It's almost like they are totally not on your side when that happens. And then once yeah. I finally figured it out, it was Warner Brothers. I just sent – I had to send them an email and just let them know – and I was like, even the email, I'm like, dude, okay, one, we got no video shown, no audio shown of any of this stuff. And two, you don't want to be putting us down. We're like the only people that probably like Jupiter Ascending. So you don't want our <laughs> video to not be up there. Just saying. <laughs> you're you're going to need all the positive you can get now. Two of us like it. You better just take it. Yeah, exactly. So go figure. But yeah, it's it's funny how that is. But when do you start your school coming up soon? September. September? Nice. So in a couple of weeks. And then how, is that one of those ones, is it like a year long or? It's three. Three years? Oh, that's a, see, that's cool for the fact that it's one, it's straight art. Like you're not got, you don't have, the, I always call them the filler classes because yeah, you don't yeah. got none of these classes, even art history. I'm like, that's kind of a filler class. I understand it, but it's one of those ones like, Hey, you're here to learn a skill. You know what I mean? And you could go pick up an art history book if you want to learn about that. Like that's kind of, yeah, exactly. I, I, I kind of consider those kind of classes. Like that's just a way for schools sometimes to grab more money 
it's just to like put those things in there that's like, no, no, just teach me, teach me, let me learn, let me practice, give me guidance. That's what, you know, it should be all about. Yeah. And I know that we're going to go on like some field trips and stuff because the National Gallery of Canada is like a 10 minute walk from my school. Mm -hmm. And um, I was looking in the course outline and it says that we go on a couple of trips there to like uh, draw some of the statues and stuff for a life drawing class. And that will be good. Like right there, that's art history. You're walking into a gallery and it tells you all about the paintings and the pieces of art that you're looking at. So I think art history is mostly about influence, like influencing you. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I and mean, it's like I, I understand what it's about and everything like that. And, and it's like I get it, but it's like sometimes like I think it's like being in the future when we have all this almost material. Like you can go grab books. Like animation, I just learned it all. Like what I would do is I'd go on um, Amazon and I would just buy a bunch of those animation books used and I would just like pick and choose which ones I wanted. And I mean now I got like a library of like 50 plus books on animation, video making, voice acting, you name it. I just buy it and read it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Are you being invaded? It's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's just like, well, that would be really sweet, though. That would be cool, just doing all that kind of stuff. And Now, in Canada, how does it go for, like, college and um, paying for it and everything there? Um. Okay, it depends. So... If you're a disabled person, you can get grants. If you're on welfare, you can get grants. If you're a rich family, you're screwed. You pay for it yourself. But our school isn't nearly as expensive as uh, United States. Yeah, well, because in the it's U.S., it's yeah, it's almost on average like a cheap school is a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's crazy. Like for our school, it's like three thousand something a year see that that's the right price right there that's like the affordable I, I almost feel sometimes in the u.s they put the price up so high to keep the poor people out i'm not too sure if that's what, <laughs> what it is but sometimes you see those kind of things and you start getting that rage against the machine mindset and you're like wait a second i see what's going on here they're just trying to keep the poor people down i see it <laughs> it seems that way and like here um when i went to college i got like a grant because mm -hmm. um, of my hearing loss, so I got a grant to go to school. Well, see that helps out for course. like I think I got like a I think I got a grant actually, which paid for a big chunk of my books and tuition. Nice. See, I'll make a big dent there. But even like yeah, even three thousand dollars though, like that's see that's affordable. You know what I mean? Like you you can do that. You know, like the same thing here would have been like thirty thousand, and it's like that. It's like who the heck? Most people that can't even make thirty thousand an entire year, let alone have that much for school. Yeah, it's just like keeping them down. Like they don't make it affordable to live, and then how are you expecting to go to school? And then sometimes too, I look at some schools, and you know they're set up almost like I always call it like that ancient Greek look. So you can see where all this money's going to to make it look nice and pretty. Which yeah, that's cool. But all I see is like this is why it's expensive. I mean, literally, pretty much about ninety percent of classes you could teach them in like a square building that had nothing else in it because all you're doing is talking and learning. You know, you don't need all this fancy stuff. You know what I mean? I feel that, like, makes it more expensive. You know, you can just keep it reasonable looking and just learn that way. You could be outside. As long as it's a good day, you could be sitting by a tree and drawing all day long and having somebody kind of to talk to and guide, and that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much all you need, really. But... No, that'll, that'll be really sweet. You know, that'll be, that'll be fun to do all kinds of things. Sometimes I think about that, too. I'm like, should I go back to school for a bit and just learn some extra, like... 
kind of stuff just mainly they have almost like one the degree because i've just been doing freelancing like for the last 12 years or so and i do anything and everything i do video editing i do voice acting i do animation i do you know audio stuff production stuff light stuff so but at the same time it's kind of like it would be nice to be able to jump on board some of these other things that they won't let you to unless you got that degree yeah, exactly. Like here we have like college, you get like college diplomas, like two years, two or three years for most of them. And then the university degrees are all like four years and then up. Mm-hmm. But even it's not nearly as expensive. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool, though. All in all, you got to like that. But yeah, so you got drawn going on. You got your retro game collection. You know, what's mm-hmm. some of your other favorite animes? Well, obviously Sailor Moon. <laughs> and um, Cardcaptor Sakura for sure mm-hmm. um, but I like the manga a lot more than the anime but still the anime is really good and Inuyasha I'm almost done watching it oh perfect uh, I remember. I'm looking at my desk <laughs> and Chobits have you ever watched Chobits? no I haven't uh, what's that one all about? it's um, it's made by Clamp the same people that make Cardcaptor Sakura mm-hmm. um, it's about role uh, Persicom so they're personal computers and they're people they're like lifelike computers um a lot of people don't have girlfriends because they have these computers <laughs> and it's all about um a robot a guy falls in love with his robot and if the robot can love him back or not oh so it's that question of like yeah man machine loving together huh see i feel weird when, yes. I, when I watch animes is you know just because i've watched them ever since they pretty much started to appear in the u.s but I feel like always, like, whenever I'm looking through lists and things like that, like, even if I'm on, like, Crunchyroll, like, next thing you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they got Loop on the third on there? Like, I feel like such, like, the old man when I'm like, oh, there's a 60s anime? Yeah, that's what I want! You know, it's Yeah, that, like Akira or something. Or like, yeah, like, I, I love, like, 70s, 80s, 90s animes. Like, like bunch of those ones, I think, are, like, my favorite kind of section. And especially, I like a lot of the 80s and early 90s things. And that's, at the time period, I think that was because that's what there was. That was... You know, I just remember being like in the late 90s, you know, you would go to the store and you wouldn't have a whole lot of choices. I always call it the five by 10 aisle, you know, five across, 10 down or so, probably not even 10 down, probably five by five. And that was all the animes there was. So you pick from these and that's the one that I always kind of think of is, you know, stuff like Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, Ghost in the Shell, Akira, um, other things would have been like Rama one half. And Tenchi Muyo, and just just all these ones like that. that. That was all there was. Yeah, I haven't really gotten into any new anime. I watched um, maybe the first season of Soul Eater. I tried watching Attack on Titan, but it's a little bit gory for me. But mm. maybe after Sleeping Dog, I'll be able to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, just build up a little bit of tolerance. Yeah, well, I, it's like I look at the list of new animes, I feel like I'm almost like lost. Because there was a time period where, like, you just watched whatever was on and you were grateful because that was all there was. And now it's just like there's like almost like overload of how many things you can have that, like, it's kind of like, I, next thing you know, I start fading back to, like, oh, Full Metal Alchemist. Well, I know that one. You know, Gundam Wing. There you go. There's a classic. Yeah, you go back to what's familiar. Yeah, I, I go back to, like, the one. And instead, that's a lot of times what I do nowadays. I just seek out all the animes I watched back in the day and see if I can find the whole set of them and watch them over because it's been so long. It's pretty much, like, sort of new, yet reminding it again. Like, I was watching Sailor Moon Crystal, and I was like, oh, this is a cool way to kind of go back and watch Sailor Moon. Yeah, because it's very true to the manga, for sure. 
And um, it's not a kid's show anymore. It's definitely geared towards like an older audience. It's pretty serious. Well, it's because like that original dub, I kind of forgot like what that was like on the original Sailor Moon. And you do kind of watch it. It's like, oh, yeah, it had kind of a strange dub. I mean, they were totally making it as like the 10-year-old kid show. And it's like mm-hmm. Sailor Moon has like a really weird voice on the dub. I, it's like, I don't know why I kind of forgot that, but yeah. And right about there, the internet cut out, and then we got reconnected again, but for some reason, Skype decided to only record half of what we were talking about. So Sophie's part was recorded, but my part wasn't, so it's literally a one-way conversation. You know, there's just so many Skype errors, and I guess in the perfect world, Skype always works and it always records, but we don't live in that. You know, we lose Ryan because his internet failed on him, and... And for our last little half an hour, it all disappears halfway, I guess. But those sort of things happen. So till then, check out oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, cartoons, music, and more. And you can check out Sophie on Twitter at Hylian underscore Soph, S-O-F. So Hylian, like Zelda, underscore the S-O-F. Well, I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. Sophie. We'll see you some other time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Old Man Orange Podcast. Check out our website at oldmanorange.com for even more podcasts, cartoons, videos, music, and more. Send us an email at oldmanorangepodcast at yahoo.com. Be sure to subscribe, share, rate, and review us on iTunes, Podomatic, or any of the other fine sites we might be located on. And if you want to help out even more, click on the Amazon or GameStop links on our webpage before you make any purchases there. Won't cost you a penny, but it sends us a little something our way. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week to Old Man Orange.